Ladies and gentlemen, it's Sunday night here on Vertical Radio, which means it's time to turn off the distractions, pull out a pen and paper, and get ready to learn from some of the best of the best leaders around the world. On this show, you'll hear from CEOs, business owners, entrepreneurs, pastors, coaches, inventors, athletes, influencers, and many other types of leaders. They all live in different places and come from different backgrounds, but the one thing they all have in common is that they'll invite you to follow them as they follow Jesus. And now, introducing your host. Here's Matt Mizell. Well, welcome to another episode of Leader Worth Following. This is Matt Mizell, and tonight I've got a friend on the line, and he is an author. He is a solid Christian man. I'm grateful for his willingness to come and share his experience and his insight. And there's some stuff he's got coming up on the horizon that I'm excited to kind of dig into. So uh, it is my pleasure and distinct honor to introduce to you Ron Price this evening. Ron, what's up, buddy? Matt, it is so good to be with you. It is my honor, my friend. I'll I'll see your honor, and I'll raise you one. How's that? (laughs) Hey, I appreciate it. Hey, so Ron, uh, on this on this show, leader worth following. I'm always trying to find different people who are solid Christian leaders, who are inspiring people and motivating people to to follow after Jesus and invite other people to follow after them as they follow Christ. This is what Paul talked about in First Corinthians, and so this is something that's just a passion of mine. Um, so most people, uh, perhaps some people know who you are, Ron, but not everybody does. So give us a little bit of history and a background as far as who you are. What's your story? What's God doing in your life right now? And this is a three-hour program, did you say that? <laughs> no, it's only 30 minutes. Although it's, a, it's funny you bring that up, Ron, because I don't know if there's any episode that has actually gone only 30 minutes. Uh, thankfully, uh, the radio station uh, has been very gracious with us, where if it goes 30 minutes, 35, 40, I think some of the episodes go 50 minutes, but no, it's never gone, uh-huh. it's never gone quite three hours before. All right, I'll give, I'll give you the condensed version. I started life in Rhode Island m- many decades ago in a Jewish family. I am Jewish by birth bar mitzvah at the age of 13, but in my teen years, I rebelled, as so many do, uh, left left all religion, left God, did, didn't believe there was one, and did some things I'm not now proud of, but uh, got married, got divorced, no children, which made a huge difference, but that's when I found Christ mm. in my late 20s, and uh, he did some radical changing in my life. He took away the temptations to do do things that were not good for me. He introduced me to a lady with whom I'm going to celebrate my 40th wedding anniversary in December. Congratulations. And, uh, no going back. No going back, Matt. You know what I'm saying. That uh, <laughs> I'd been searching all my life in all sorts of different places, knowing there's got to be some answers somewhere. And, and I finally found them. And I'm so glad I did. Mm. That's awesome. So you, there's a couple things in there that we could dig more into. I mean, your, your history going from a, a Jewish family, Jewish background, and then completely off off the grid, so to speak, and having no faith. You mentioned you found Christ in your late 20s. Uh, I've got a lot of questions I want to dig into, Ron, but let me go back to that really quickly. What led you to Christ in your late 20s? Oh, boy. You know, I should I should be able to answer that right off the bat, man. That's a great question. <laughs> the beam of light while you're walking down the road, going to the road to Damascus? No, not quite. Not quite. You know, I guess I was I was ready, and I think the divorce threw me. Even though it was a a totally secular, not secular, but godless marriage. Uh, I never saw myself as being a divorced man. It, it, divorce was not in my family. And um, I, I think that just threw me. And right about that time, God led somebody into my life that started witnessing to me. And, and I remember at the time thinking, wow, look how curious you are. I had that thought that I still vividly remember. And we were talking about the Bible and I knew I hadn't brought it up, but I couldn't remember mm. him bringing it up either. But 
you know, I will share one one quick thought from that. I remember one time we were at a, a gym or something, working out, whatever, and and my friend was talking to another friend about Jesus. And the friend said, oh, Bob, isn't Jesus just a crutch for you? Hmm. He's not my crutch. He's my wheelchair. <laughs> wow. This was early in my exploration of who is this Jesus Christ fellow. But I said, what? And then when I understood that, I went, whoa, isn't that a great, great, great line? Not my crutch. He's my wheelchair. I depend on him for everything. Yeah. It reminds me of that bumper sticker of he's my co-pilot. You know, that's that's such a cool visual of of uh, being able to to, tro- to totally lie, rely on God and uh, not just use him as a cane, but, you know, rely on him everywhere. If I may, Matt, I saw a bumper sticker that said, if Jesus is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> and Matt, if I may too, I didn't finish answering your question before. Let me just bring people up to date a little bit. I've been in private practice on 20th Street. I have a private practice called Productive Outcomes. And Every now and then people will ask me if it's a nonprofit entity. And I always say, not on purpose, it's not, but it, it has its moments. But I've been doing mediation for many, many years, 30 years. I, I'm a life and relationship coach. And for the last several years, I've just been helping people prevent conflict when possible, resolve conflict when possible. And I know that's some of the matters we'll get into yeah. in a bit. But where do you want to take this conversation next, my friend? Well, uh, so we'll dig into that coming up in a few minutes. But as we talk about avoiding conflict or getting through and pushing through and navigating, I know you've you've done a lot of research. You've written on the subject. Again, we'll talk about more of that in a few moments. But do you feel like anybody can learn how to get through conflict and how to to lead through and push through the difficult times. I mean, you you mentioned, I, I wrote down a phrase you said a few moments ago, Ron, you said that divorce through me. So do you feel as though when people get thrown in life, whether it's a divorce, where they get fired, whether whatever it may be, do you feel like anybody can get through those tumultuous times? And and how how do we do that if so? Well, I, I don't need to tell you, my pastor friend, that with God, all things are possible. And and so my 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 strong answer is yes. Now you got to have the want to, and and that's where a lot of people mess up. Our personal desires or desires of the flesh get in the way, and if that happens, then no, you you can't resolve conflict. You have two flesh people interacting with each other, each demanding their way. You know what? See you later. You're not gonna. It's not gonna happen. But if if even just one, hopefully both, but even if just one is willing to. And let's 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 get through this. Let's talk this out. Yes, I absolutely believe people can be equipped to have less conflict in their lives and resolve the the significant conflicts. Yep. Well, and this question might be obvious to you, Ron, but perhaps not to everybody that's listening. So as we're talking about conflict and resolving conflict, pushing through that, working through that, why is that important? To do that, so, some people just want to sweep stuff under the rug, and perhaps the people pleasers and the fixers they just they don't want anybody to be angry at them and they want to avoid all conflict at all costs. And we'll get into kind of the secret sauce of how to get through conflict in a few moments. But on on the other side of it, why is it even important to address conflict head on? Well, and again, you're, you're right. It is obvious to me and to you and, and probably to many. But let, let's go for those that it might not be. Conflict is a drain. It, it steals your time, your energy, your resources, your happiness. It, it, it damages relationships. And, and at the end of the day, although I hate that expression, life is really all about relationships. Hopefully relationship with Jesus Christ first and foremost, 
relationship with your your family and so forth, but relationships with co friends. Life's about relationships. And so if you have conflict, if you have troubled relationships, man, it's it's harder to sleep well at night. It it occupies your thoughts and and again just drains you. So you're absolutely right. I saw a statistic that said 69% of Americans say they dread conflict. I think that's a little low, to be honest with you, Matt. I think I think it's a higher number that say, oh, conflict, that's bad. And yet none of us can live with no conflict. So, so to me, the answer is, all right, if I've got to have conflict and I dread it, what can I do about the dread? How can I deal with it better? And that's a great point. We're going to take a quick break real quick, Ron, and we'll come back and talk about how can we deal with conflict better. We'll be right back with Ron Price and Leader Worth Following. Learn more from Matt Mizell at leaderworthfollowing.com. This is Leader Worth Following. Connect with Matt Mizell at leaderworthfollowing.com. Welcome back to Leader Worth Following. This is Matt Mizell. And tonight we are joined by Ron Price. Ron, thanks again for hanging out with us. Appreciate having you. Just before the break, we're talking about how about 69% of Americans dread conflict. I agree with you. I think it's more of a higher number than that. Almost everybody that I talk to loves conflict, probably except for Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump loves conflict. He's always seeking after it. Uh, We were talking off the air just a moment ago how we've gone through a tumultuous time in our nation recently. And uh, and perhaps that's part of it. Uh, This isn't really the direction we were going to go in the conversation necessarily. But have you seen in the politics playing out or perhaps in uh, the headlines, have you seen how conflict is something that uh, some people pursue and some people avoid? Yes, absolutely. And, and, and we might get into this a little bit later as well. But, but here's something that I firmly believe. If I'm at peace with myself, Matt, I can be at peace with you. I can be at peace with others. If I'm at peace with myself, then it's okay if you have a different opinion than I do. I don't have to take that as a threat. But if I'm not at peace with myself, then, then how, can I, how can I possibly be at peace with others? And I think that says an awful lot about what's going on in our world today. In fact, we'll use this as a teaser. That's a chapter in a book we're going to talk about in the next segment. <laughs> okay. Well, now now I'm intrigued. I'm sure other people are as well. So you said, uh, Ron, if you're at peace with yourself, then you're good. Even if people disagree with you, would you say that the lack of peace that people have for themselves is based on an insecurity or based on past trauma or what people said or think about them? Where does a lack of peace come from uh, when people are struggling with conflict? Well, and again, yes, I think Dr. Robert Firestone and Dr. Lisa Firestone coined a term the CIV. And Matt, you listen to the CIV on occasion. I listen to it. All of our listeners listen to the CIV, the critical inner voice. That voice in our mind that says you're not this enough or you're not that enough or you're too much this or you're too much that. Can I assume you know what I'm talking about, Matt? Am I talking to a brother here? Of course. And I have people that oftentimes fuel my CIV. They write me a hateful message and write me a hateful letter. And (laughs) when I first became a lead pastor a couple of years back, I got my first one about six months in. And I was like, man, all the things that I'm fearful of myself was just voiced in this letter that was written to me. And had to shake it off, but then I got another one and another one and another one. And I've had to have it to really process that of, okay, are all these people speaking and reading, you know, speaking out what's in my diary and what's my, <laughs> my worst insecurities and my fears? Or do I also, do I, do I look at my life as though I'm a child of God? And do I listen to what he has to say about me as opposed to these haters out there? Yeah. To be yeah. honest with you, Ron, that's, that's been a, a journey. It's been a struggle and it continues to this day for me 
of do I listen to the CIV, perhaps the enemy's voice, perhaps lies from other people? Um, anyway, so so what would you say regarding the CIV? How do we how do we address the CIV in a way that's healthy? Well, and I want to say this first of all, by the way, thank you for for being a pastor. Uh, I think people underestimate the role of pastor in our lives and and what you folks have to go through and mm-hmm. and yeah you're in the enemy's crosshairs i mean that's not a news flash to you you know that but he is going to use any resource possible to tear you down to get you discouraged to get you out of the ministry and oftentimes he's going to use unsuspecting christians if you will yeah to do his dirty work and do his attack right so yeah, we, it, it's a battle. Um, w- one thing that I'm getting better at, I'm, I'm realizing that life is a battle of three on three. Life is a battle of three on three. Now, most people think basketball, and that's that's fine. But it's the world, the flesh, and the devil against the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. And Matt, I've read the back of the book. We win. <laughs> we, we win. Amen. But boy, it's a struggle in the meantime. And we have to realize, and, and, and it says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, I believe, take every thought captive mm-hmm. to the mind of Christ. That's the, that's the antidote to the CIV. And so oftentimes I find myself saying, shut up. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Or I'll say, wait a minute, is that flesh or spirit? That's flesh. All right, disregard it. Yeah. Take it to the recycle bin in my mind and delete it as soon as possible. But but we have to we have to be careful what we're feeding our minds and our spirits, of course, and and who we're listening to. Because if we're not careful, once we let a negative, right, ungodly thought come into our mind, if we f- feed it and let it fester, whew, look out. So how do you, Ron? How do you determine or decipher what's if you're getting this this kind of thought from the CIV, the critical inner voice? How do we know if that's from the Holy Spirit or if that's perhaps from the enemy? Well, and I think the, the the easiest way is what does the Bible say? Bible says that that Jesus came that I might have life and have it more abundantly, have it to the full. And it says in Ephesians two ten, sit down for this one, Matt. I am God's masterpiece. Did you did you realize you were interviewing God's masterpiece? <laughs> and so are you, by the way. Ma- masterpiece of humility for sure. Oh, yeah, I am, I am. I'm the most humble person I know. <laughs> Sorry, terrible joke. But seriously, if we really believe who the Bible says we are, that we are ch- children of God, that God, the Heavenly Father, loves us each individually as much as he loves his own son, Jesus Christ. Right. Boy, wrap your mind around that one for a few moments. And if we can really grab that, th- there's no stopping us in terms of fulfilling the great and, and and being about God's business. That's why the enemy spends so much time trying to tear us down so that we won't grasp who we are in Christ. Yeah. And, and I want to be careful now. I don't want to come across as, hey, I've mastered it. Everybody be like me. No, it's a it's a nonstop struggle, but it's a struggle worth fighting and a struggle we will win. You know, Ron, I'm guessing there's somebody listening, perhaps many people listening right now that just heard you say you're God's masterpiece and we are all God's masterpiece. And that that could be something that they needed to hear right now. Uh, you know, I hope so. And, and by the way, let me clarify that it's Ephesians 2.10. Most people remember the verse, we are God's workmanship, mm-hmm. which is fine too. But in the New Living Translation, that's the actual translation. We are God's masterpiece. Yeah. 
Based on that verse, uh, years ago, I made a shirt that says, I'm God's favorite. And on the back of the shirt says, and so are you. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, gosh, man, there's so there's so many different directions we could go with that. Um, the, the masterpiece and not discounting what God has created. You know, I think sometimes people insult themselves and the insecurities that we oftentimes have are a culmination of what a lot of people have said about us and things that they've stated, things that they've uh, dripped into our lives and spoken and whispered into our ears. And uh, sometimes I think the greatest insecurities that people have is based on previous things that have been stated. Um, Yet, I think a lot of people struggle with Ephesians 2.10 of, well, that's referring to other people, but not to me. Because look at look at this wart and look at this scar and look at this thing that I see in my life. There's no way that I'm a masterpiece. And and gosh, man, the enemy, like you were talking about earlier, Ron, the enemy is going to try to convince you otherwise. Yeah. And I think in uh, in in my assessment as uh, having been a, a pastor, I don't know, twelve years or so, only a lead pastor for the last couple of years. But I think this is one of the things that people struggle with the most is that what God says in Scripture applies to other people, but not to me. Yeah. Somehow I'm exempt, and somehow I'm not good enough, and somehow. You know, God loves other people more than me. He loves the professional, quote unquote, professional Christians and the pastors and the missionaries, but not me. Yeah. So to to further encourage the person who's struggling right now, Ron, and the person that's really in a dark place, how would you how would you try to encourage them to listen to the Ephesians 2.10, to listen, listen to scripture in general and say, God's saying this, he's speaking this to you. Yeah. You know, the first thing I would say to that, Matt, is to, to, to realize you're not alone. You're, you're not alone. The enemy's one of his great tactics is to divide and conquer, to get us thinking, oh, yeah, God loves everybody else, like you said, and but, but he couldn't possibly love me. We all hear that voice from time to time. You're not alone. And by the way, the, the re, another reason I think that's so common, most of us can think back to childhood when we were ridiculed by other kids. Yeah. Or or even by teachers or whoever, we were put down. And that early, early in life, we began to believe, well, I, I don't have what it takes. Others do, but I don't. And unfortunately, we can be decades past that, but those wounds were so deep, they, they become a part of who we are. And that's why we have to be spending time in the Word. We have to be turning off the news from time to time, which is so depressing and negative, and and we need to be filling our hearts, our minds, our spirits with with the love of God, and 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 counteracting all the negativity that is true. None of us are perfect, but none of us have to be perfect. We're perfect by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's all God cares about. That's all we can care about or should. And you know, I think some people listening to this right now might open up their Bible every so often because they check the box because they feel like that's the right thing to do as a Christian. Yeah. And yeah. and they don't go to God's word for the for the replenishing and the refilling like you're talking about, Ron, the living water like Jesus talks about. Uh, they go to it because this is what I'm supposed to do, but not because I love it. I would compare to uh, when I was in college, even when I was in high school, I remember when I would when I was going through my education, I was going through education, doing homework, doing my assignments because I wanted a grade. I wanted the A. Right. But I didn't really care about education. I didn't really care about learning. And it, I, ironically, it wasn't until after I graduated from college that then I discovered, 
I have a passion for learning. I want to be a student for the rest of my life. For, for so many years, I couldn't wait till I was done with being a student. And now I want to go back to being a student and I'm not getting a grade anymore, but I want to learn. I want to read. I want to soak up. And, and I would compare that to how many people, I think, look at God's word. They look at God's word because my pastor, my leader, my mentor told me I'm supposed to be in God's word, but they're doing it out of obligation, not because they really want to be filled with, with uh, the, the life-changing uh, life fueling, filling, you know, Holy Spirit is God filling them up and, and counteracting the lies from the enemy and from the world. So I, I would encourage people that are listening right now, if if you're not getting into God's word because you're being filled, change your heart, change your perspective, allow God's word to fill you up and counteract some of those lies that perhaps have been spoken in from, from all the way back from your childhood on uh, and allow it to fill you and fuel you. And uh, don't look at it as homework. Don't look at it as an obligation. And, you know, on that note, Matt, if I may, um, I I have no disrespect for the King James Bible or people who swear that that's the only Bible there is. They they say the Bible that Mm -hmm. the Apostle Paul used is the Bible for them. Or uh, guess what, folks? Paul didn't read the King James version of the Bible. (laughs) It's a very beautiful translation. It is poetic. Some of the renderings are just magnificent. But you know what? If if you're struggling with that, get a modern day translation. Mm -hmm. There are, are, I was going to say hundreds of them. I think there are. Yeah. Find a translation. Now, check it out. Some are less creditable than others. Check with your pastor or your spiritual leader. But uh, but but find a translation that you can read, maybe even a paraphrase that don't use that as a study Bible, perhaps, but as an inspiration. Absolutely. Find one that you're you're more comfortable with and then just set aside time. Hey, I'm going to be in God's word and, and let him transform me from the inside. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, Ron, you mentioned a translation, but I'll go back to that for people who are curious of, OK, I'm reading the King James. I'm, I'm digging into the KJV or the new King James. What would you recommend as far as a translation? Well, again, I like the New Living Translation. Uh, I, I will tell you that I believe it's written to a fourth grade mentality, a fourth grade education. Please don't ask me why it's my favorite <laughs> version of the Bible. <laughs> but again, <laughs> there are some there are some versions, verses in the New Living Translation. I say, hey, boy, is that really accurate? So it's nice to compare it mm-hmm. with other translations and and make sure you're getting the whole complete picture. Uh, use a thesaurus. I don't, I don't know a thesaurus. What am I trying? Concordance. Uh, I, I'm not that deep of a scholar. I got to be honest with you. I don't speak Greek or Hebrew. Um, but, but, but set aside a desire, Lord God, I want to understand your word. You help me. And, and that's a prayer he loves to answer. Amen. Amen. I most commonly, I most uh, often teach out of the new international version, okay. the NIV, but my my preference for reading just with my time with God is also the NLT. Is it? Okay. Uh, and, and in fact, the, the, the it's so funny because I very rarely use a paper Bible anymore. I've, I've got a, the, the version app on my phone and my iPad, so they sync together with my notes and whatnot. So more, more often than not, I'm using that. Right. But the, the only paper version of a Bible that I actually still use is an NLT. And uh, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I I didn't know it was a fourth grade uh, level. Uh, maybe that says something both about you and me, Ron. Of uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it our secret, Matt. How's that? 
Yeah, we won't tell anybody live on a radio station or podcast yet. <laughs> All right, Ron. Well, we're going to take one more quick break. On the, on the, when we come back from the break, I do want to dig more into going back to the idea of conflict. What are some of the ways that we can pursue getting through conflict and working well with conflict? You also have a book that you're uh, coming out with. Uh, in fact, it's already out. So I want to dig into that a little bit right when we come back with Ron Price. Spread the encouragement and share on Facebook. Tag a friend. Learn more at leaderworthfollowing.com. This is Leader Worth Following. Want to be a leader worth following? Get free leadership training at leaderworthfollowing.com. Welcome back to Leader Worth Following. This is Matt Mizell. And today we are talking with Ron Price. We're, we're talking about all sorts of different things, Ron. We're talking about <laughs> conflict. We're talking about politics. We're talking about all sorts of different things in, in this particular episode. But I do know that you have recently come out with a book. Tell us the title of your book. In fact, you have a couple books. So tell us the title of your books. Well, it's the third book in the series. The first one was Play Nice in Your Sandbox at Work. I self-published that in 2016. Followed that up in 2018 with Play Nice in Your Sandbox at Home. Self-published that as well. But as we speak in a bookstore near you is Play Nice in Your Sandbox at church. At church. And Matt, I often say that that sounds to me like a stupid title. Do we really need a book telling Christians <laughs> they ought to get along and how to do it? I thought I thought the Bible already did that pretty well, but uh <laughs> Obviously, God put it on my heart to, to write it, and we'll see what he does with it. You know, Ron, so when I got into ministry vocationally over 12 years ago, one of my mentors told me, ministry is messy. Mm. And what I what I interpreted that as, I thought that they meant ministry is messy for all the people coming into the church, all the people that you know are the, the broken, the hurting, and perhaps there is messiness there. But what I've discovered in, in my time as a pastor— yeah is that oftentimes the messiness is with the people who are already in the church, not necessarily the people coming in, but the people that are there. Uh, it can be very difficult. So yeah. so I do want to dig into that, but I want to kind of unpack even just the title of your series, Play Nice in Your Sandbox. What what are you referring to playing nice in the sandbox? Well, uh, thank you for asking that. It, it just, it, it, I had that expression in my mind for years before I wrote the books. Um, I just did play nice in your sandbox. And and I, I can still tell you where I was. I was in Georgia at a seminar and I was on a break working on a project. And all of a sudden I got the play acronym for play nice in your sandbox at work. The P is push the pause button in the parking lot and in the driveway. The L is list of 10. The A is assume good intent and the Y is yield. I got that acronym like boom. I had to slow down, separate them out to write them down. So in each book, the play is, is a four-step model for how to prevent trivial matters from blowing up on you and becoming a thing you don't need, want, or deserve. The play, each letter stands for a specific tool, tip, or technique. The nice, how do you address productively those significant differences that you are going to have with other human beings with whom you interact on a regular basis, be it at work, at home, or at church. So the play, prevent conflict, the nice, resolve conflict. It's, it's get along. I, I, I often call what I teach relationship CPR. CPR stands for conflict prevention and resolution. There's probably, he goes back to what you first said at the beginning of this whole episode. How much time do we have on this whole thing? <laughs> Three hours, five hours, six hours? Uh, you know, oftentimes I tell people when they're reading a book uh, from somebody else, 
that book is the equivalency of being mentored by that person from three to five years. And uh, what you're talking about, Ron, is that you started this whole series of play nice in your sandbox at work, at home, at church. You started the series back in 2016. So it's been a multiple years that you've been investing in this concept of, of play. Uh, so there's perhaps a lot of things we could dive into. I want to talk about your CPR, the conflict prevention. What was the R? What did that stand for? Resolution. Conflict prevention, resolution. And resolution. And resolution. So so talk a little bit about that. In fact, I believe you have a course regarding CPR. Is that correct? I do. It's called CPR Mastery. How do you have prevention and resolution? How do we start making steps to, to prevent it so we're not always facing it? Well, I think, I think we better go back and honor the promise I made a little bit ago to cite one of the chapters in one of the books. Okay. That way we can both keep our jobs. <laughs> in the at church book, the L chapter, which again is in preventing conflict, it's in the play portion. The chapter is love yourself as you love your neighbor. And people say to me, well, Ron, don't you have that backwards? Because Jesus said, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And and that's true, Matt, but that's that's the problem. As we as we talked about briefly earlier, if I don't love myself, then then that's how I'm going to love my neighbor. Not very well. Mm. And so if you find yourself getting upset with somebody else, boy, just stop, just just stop. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In fact, that's the P in the in the play nice at church. Pray, pray, pray. It is difficult to be in conflict with somebody who you are earnestly praying for. Mm. And not just praying, oh, Lord, please bless so-and-so. No, Lord, please give so-and-so a double portion of your grace. Give him or her mm. double whatever you give me of grace, of mercy, of love, of compassion, of understanding. Whatever you want for yourself, pray a double portion for your, quote, adversary. The, the, they won't be your adversary mm. much longer. Your attitude toward them will change. Their attitude toward you will change. Now, 100% absolute guarantee? No, come on. We, we deal with some people, Matt. This is another thought I bring up in my books. Hurting people are going to hurt people. Mm-hmm. Can I can I say that again for emphasis? Hurting people are going to hurt people. And we are surrounded by hurting people. Mm-hmm. Matt, right now, there are parts of your life that are distressing you. I, I know that's true. I know it's true of me and everybody who's listening. We're all hurting in different ways at different times. And when we're hurting, we're not going to be at our best. We're going to take it out on somebody else. So that gets to the A chapter in At Work, assume good intent. When people hurt you, they mess with you, they disappoint or frustrate you, they probably didn't mean to. They're just not at their best right now. But if you react, if you take offense, if you take it personal, then you just created the conflict, not them. If you can somehow step back and say, wow, that didn't feel very good. Everything okay with you? They're probably going to say, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I, yeah. I'm all stressed out about this. I shouldn't have taken it on you. Please forgive me. Conflict averted. Never happened. So, Ron, this is all I'm hoping people are taking notes right now and writing some stuff down or even writing it on their hand if they happen to be driving right now or something. You know, we're, we're about to head into the holidays and a lot of people have a difficult time with in-laws, with family, with, you know, just being around people that they don't oftentimes see throughout the year. And for many people, they associate holidays with mm-hmm. kind, you know, great memories and uh they, they, they love the holidays, but for many people, it brings up nervousness and anxiety and concern and worry because they have to deal with people that they don't 
really want to deal with. And so how does this relate? I mean, again, you've got three versions or three books in your, your series of Play Nice in Your Sandbox, Work and Home and Church. But how does what you're talking about relate to family, to in-laws, to the holidays? How, how can you lead people as far as, okay, you're about to go into a house for Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's. Yeah. What can I do based on what you're talking about? There's a chapter in my Play Nice in Your Sandbox at Home book called When You Marry Jethro, You Get the Clampets. Uh, that's not, <laughs> I I didn't come up with that. A, a guy named John Van Epp came up with that, but I love it. And yeah, dealing with in-laws and even, even biological family members can be challenging at times. Because again, while the holidays are joyful, as you just said, mm-hmm. they're also stressful. You know, there's preparation and we got to get ready and, you know, arrangements have to be made. And, and now, especially with COVID added in, my goodness, look out. Right. A couple of things. One, the P in the play nice in at work book. And by the way, real quickly, 100% of what I wrote about at work applies at home and at church. 100%. Mm. Probably 80% of what I wrote about in play nice in your sandbox at home applies at work and at church. And probably 50% of what I wrote about in church has applicability at work and at home. Because again, relationships are relationships. But in the at work book, the P stands for push the pause button. And I tell a story in there of a time I went to Walmart on Christmas Eve. Matt, I'm not near as bright as you thought I was. What can I tell you? (laughs) Well, I learned that from the NLT version of fourth grade level. So so I needed something. It was about the middle of the day. It wasn't at night, but I needed something. And, And I went to Walmart. Matt, I've never seen a parking lot more full of cars than that day. I... It was packed. And mm. and before I got out of my vehicle, I turned it off and I had a self-dialogue that went something like this. You are about to go into a building with hundreds, if not thousands of idiots, jerks, maniacs, <laughs> people all stressed out and frazzled and exhibiting anything but holiday cheer. And I said, you can join them if you wish or choose your attitude and choose to not get sucked in to that negativity, Mm. that hostility and bitterness. What do you want to do? I said, well, let's try that. All right, ready, break. I walk into Walmart. Matt, I'm not in Walmart 30 seconds before I realized, yeah, I was accurate. You you could just see it on people's faces. They're frowning. And I just started smiling at people. I started saying, oh, after you, oh, let me get that for you. (laughs) Merry Christmas. I I was Mr. Rogers in the neighborhood, Matt. I was was Mr. Congeniality. And I left Walmart with a feeling of joy on Christmas Eve. Now, I don't ever want to go back to Walmart on Christmas Eve any year ever again. But the lesson I learned, if I hadn't chosen my attitude, somebody was going to choose it for me. And I probably wouldn't like it. When you're getting ready to encounter somebody that you know from past history, that could be problematic. It could be troublesome. It could get ugly. You decide in advance, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose my attitude. I'm going to smile even if I have to grip my teeth. I'm going to assume good intent. I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt. I'm going to make do my part to make this a joyful occasion. Well, guess what? Your chances of success go up because you're choosing your attitude. Does that make sense, Matt? It sure does. And, and I guess I would ask a follow-up question to that, Ron. So oftentimes when my wife and I will go to a party, to an event where we know there's difficult people there. We will pause in the car and we will even take a moment to do 
the prayer, as you talked about, pray, pray, pray. So we'll pause and pray before we go into the situation. And, and I feel like in those moments, we are doing what you just described. I'm choosing joy. My wife is choosing joy. And then we go into what I would just call the, the lion's den. And in the lion's den, my, my smile, as you talked about your example from Walmart, my smile after 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes begins to wear off. And even though I'm trying, <laughs> I'm beginning to, to slip down a slippery slope saying, see, I told you these people are hard to love and see, this is, this is difficult. And even though I go in with game face, I, I tend to not be able to keep it on the entire time. And then I hit my lid and I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. So how, how can we keep choosing joy? I mean, if you're staying in Walmart, going back to your analogy and your story for hours upon hours, or perhaps even a weekend or days or, or weeks on end, especially when it comes to relatives and the holidays where you're there for days, not just moments, how do you keep choosing joy over and over and over? You know, there's lots of ways we can go with that, Matt. Let me just give you the, the one that jumps to the top of my mind. I wrote a chapter called Button Guard. And in button guard, I challenge people to think of who pushes your buttons, who gets under your skin or on your nerves, who, who irritates you. So that's the first step is you identify the types of people, braggarts or misers or know-it-alls or what types of people typically push your buttons. In a family setting, you could say, you know, cousin Harry or Aunt Sally or whatever. You could, you could have an individual in mind. The next step is you give them a name and a, and a polite, courteous name because it might sneak out in public. <laughs> and then that you own them, not in a in a negative way. You've de devout, disabled, I should say, their ability to push your buttons. Hmm. So real quickly, I, I tell the story of I, I drive too fast. I drive faster than others. And I often find myself in the left lane of traffic behind a slower driver. <laughs> Boy, that used to, whoo, my blood pressure would go up. My teeth would grit. I, rah, 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 rah. And then I finally realized that, hey, I'm not going to change them. I, I can't control how other people drive. I let them push my buttons. So I gave them a name. Would you like to hear it? <laughs> I don't know. This is a, uh, a family show, Ron, but, but sure, I'm going to trust you. I'll, I'll trust you. <laughs> I try to practice what I preach. That's why I said a polite, courteous name. Mm -hmm. Lefty Lalane. Lefty Lalane. Lefty Lalane. And I'm going to tell you, Lefty gets around. Lefty's male, female, old, young, drives any kind of vehicle imaginable. But I'm telling you the truth, Matt. When I come up behind a slow driver, I'll signal one time politely asking them to pull over. If they don't, and I'm going back 25, 30 years I've conditioned myself, Ron, that's lefty. Why don't you just pull over, pass on the right? I know it's not safe, but they give you no options. That's lefty, and you're not going to fix lefty. Just go on your way. <sighs> Blood pressure isn't rising. Teeth aren't gritting. I, I, I control myself. I don't give that control to a total stranger who doesn't know how to drive. So when you're encountering people, you know you're going to encounter somebody that in the past has been difficult for you. Give them a polite name as a reminder to you that, hey, you know what? They're probably not doing it on purpose. And even if they are, I don't have to react. I can control my emotions. Hmm. So button guard might be helpful. That's a great point. Uh, let me clarify that with one, one more question. So if I know the person's real name, are you suggesting that I give them a nickname that's not their real name so I can disassociate who that yes. real person is? Yeah. Carping Connie or 
uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to go down that road right now. <laughs> Who knows what I might come up with? But yes, yeah, kind of. But again, again, you're dealing with an FHB. That's another great tip to share. You, you're dealing with an FHB, a fallible human being who has been wounded in their life, and God may want to use you as his instrument to bring healing to that person. So many people that are difficult to get along with, they've, they've put up walls as defenses to keep people from and, and And if we can somehow break through those walls with the love of God, so I'm not saying it's easy, and especially if we think it depends on us, if we take things personally, Quite often, the people we're upset about has nothing to do with us. That's It's their way of doing life. And again, if we can somehow break through that and just love unconditionally, it's not easy, but it's what we are called to do as children of God, love as Jesus loves. I think one of the most important things that you've talked about, Ron, is that we are not in control of other people. We're only in control of ourselves. And it sounds as though, I mean, shoot, I've got one of your books, Ron, but I don't have the whole series, uh, the the work, home and church. And I also know that you have a course and I do want to figure out, you know, I want to explain in just a second as far as how people can find your books in your course. But uh, but I think you've you've kind of teased and intrigued people enough where they're like, OK, you've you've given me a bite, Ron. I want to know more uh, because, you know, you, you've you set us up in, in such a way where it's like, all right, you know, I'm not responsible for others. I'm only responsible for me. So how do I prepare myself better? How can I be better equipped? How can I, uh, as Ephesians talk about, put on the armor of God? And how, how can I be ready for the battle that I'm going into, whether it's in a you know, home for the holidays or whether it's in my business, my place of work, my church? So all that being said, Ron, I think you've done a great job of, of kind of giving us the sample, so to speak. I, I love going to Sam's Club and getting the, sam- the samples there to kind of whet the appetite, you know? So so uh, explain a little bit as far as how can people find your book, your series, your, your first two books you said are self-published, your, your, uh, your Play Nice in Your Sandbox at Church is through a, a different publisher, and then you've got a course. Unpack a little bit of that as far as if people want more, they want to dig in more and learn more from you. Yeah. How do they do that? Amazon has the books if somebody wanted to go there. Uh, my email is ron at ronprice.com. If people have particular questions, they want to reach out to me, ron at ronprice.com. Um, I envy your email address, by the way. My last name of Mizell, nobody can spell it correctly. So Ron Price, pretty pretty simple, just how it sounds, P-R-I-C-E. <laughs> That's right. I do try to keep it simple. My website is is not where it needs to be. It's under renovation right now. So I, I'm hesitant to send people there. But, it, you know, again, it took me 30 years to write that first book, Matt. Mm. 30 years, 28 and a half wanting to write a book and a year and a half to finally get it done. And I think you... As an author, you know what I'm talking about. You had the desire long before you had a book. Am I right, sir? This is true. But, but Ron, I thought you were only 25. How did it take you 30 years if you're only 25? Yeah, all right. Well, I, I'm counting metric years. <laughs> but seriously, it's uh, it, life is like we make life harder sometimes when we need to. Yeah. We, we just do. We just do. So here's my closing thought. Here's my ultimate goal in life. I want to be a total peace with God. Mm. Because if I'm at peace, think about this with the sovereign ruler of the universe, the Mr. Big, that's almost, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Not not a good word to use. That's good. But but God Almighty, he he runs the universe. If I can be at peace with him, then you know what? I have every right to be at peace with myself because I am not God. 
And again, once I can be at peace with myself, I can, I can be at peace with others. Nobody's a threat to me. I want to be so lo in love with God and loved by God that I can love myself. Because once I can love myself, I, it's, it's so much easier to love others because I don't have to take things personally yeah. and like that. Is, that. is that an okay way to draw this to a close? It is. And, you know, as we head into the holidays, one of the, the words that you see plastered on people's social media and in churches and places of business is peace. Mm. I, I associate that word oftentimes with the arrival of Jesus. And, and when we, when we uh, get closer to Christmas, oftentimes we, we see that plastered everywhere. Peace, peace, peace. Yeah. And I love what you're saying, Ron, of, you know, if you find peace with yourself, everything else somewhat falls into place. It's hard, it's hard to be at peace with others when you're not at peace with yourself. But if you can find out how to be at peace with yourself by going to God's word and trusting God's word and applying God's word to your life, then everything else is just very simple. You know, it kind of reminds me of, I've got a poster on my wall at my house, a, a big framed uh, canvas, and it, and it says, love God and love others. Everything else is just details. Yeah. And if go. we can, if we can do those two things, everything else falls into, into place. And as you're talking about conflict and how to deal with other people who are difficult to deal with, if you're at peace with yourself, everything else just falls into place. So, yep. uh, so I think that's great. Ron, thank you for your advice. Thank you for your, your, uh, your experience, your 30 years poured into the book that we've been able to kind of talk about a little bit tonight and learn from. Uh, again, if people are interested in learning more from you, there's a whole series, Play Nice in Your Sandbox at Work, at Home, and at Church. All three of those books are available at Amazon. Is that correct? Or through me directly. Yeah, I, I have them a little bit less expensive. Okay. So whatever, whatever people want to do. Got it. Ron at ronprice.com email. We, we can work it out. Okay. So uh, Amazon.com or by emailing you, people can find out more information, learn more from you. You also have a, a course, a CPR course, CPR Mastery. Is that correct? Yeah. I've got module one complete. Module one is porcupine skunks, customers, and coworkers. How do you... How do you deal with difficult people in difficult situations? And that's awesome. I'm pleased with it. It came across, it came out okay. And is that like a video kind of thing? How does that course work? It's it's 20 short videos, five to seven minute videos with worksheets. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, people are we talk about some of the things we talked about in here. Push the pause button. I know is in there. Assume good intent. Plus a lot more. And that's just kind of like an on-demand thing. If people take a, they watch one video, they can come back to it and watch a second one and just do it at their own pace. Yeah, the, the, yeah, they get all 20 and they can watch them. I encourage people watch all 20 as quick as you can and then star the ones you want to come back to and focus on for the next few weeks. Instead of watching Netflix and binge watching Netflix, maybe this, this is something you can go watch this whole series of uh, the CPR Mastery course and learn more about how to deal with people who are hard to deal with, especially as we head into the holidays Ron, you set us up to be successful, and I appreciate that. I'm hoping that people listening will have peace as we head into the holidays because they're being equipped from you and your experience. So, Ron, thank you so much. You're welcome. From your lips to God's ears, Matt. Thank you for this privilege. This has been fun. Thanks. It has been. Before you leave, I know some people are like, well, he's an author. He's an expert. He knows all these things. He's got it all together. You already alluded to this earlier. You haven't figured it all out. But at the same time, Ron, you're just another dude. You're just another guy that's that's trying to figure out life and and learn through experience and learn through exploration of God. So I do have a couple questions for you just to humanize you a little bit so people can realize you're you're uh, also going through this journey uh, and you have preferences, you have interests, you have tastes and all that. So that being said, what's your favorite movie? Uh, probably Courageous. 
Courageous. Uh, I can't remember the people, the producer the, uh, of, of that Ken movie. Kendrick's, Kendrick Brothers. Yeah, I remember seeing that several years ago. Great movie. Go look it up. I don't know if that's on Netflix or somewhere else, but I'm sure you can find it. it. Maybe it, it is. is. It is. Okay, cool. Uh, favorite food? Favorite food? Um, boy, if I'm being honest, I probably should say ice cream, but that doesn't sound like the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Well, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Chocolate chip. Chocolate chip. There you go. Uh, all right. Best way for you to blow off steam. You know, I have two. I, I enjoy playing disc golf and I've really gotten into pickleball. Pickleball, many of our listeners probably haven't heard of it yet, but you will. It's a fast growing sport where you can whack on that, yeah. on that little wiffle ball and take out some frustrations, but it's also fun. It's, it's, it's good with other people. And that's cool. Those would be my answers to that question. Maybe we'll have to play some pickleball sometime. Oh, you bet. Final question for you. What's one thing that somebody might learn about you that would surprise them about Ron Price? You know, probably that I'm going to be 70 years old. No next way. Year. I, that, that surprises me. <laughs> no way. Are you for real? 70 years old? I, I am. Bro, I, I, I alluded to your 25 earlier, but I would have guessed that you would be mid 40s, maybe 50s or so. But you know, people old. ask me. You got a lot of wisdom. And I got this from Annette Reich, our uh, Navajo Ministries president. But people ask me, where did you grow up? I say, I'm trying to do it in Farmington, New Mexico. <laughs> yep. That goes back to my earlier point of wanting to be a student for life. And I feel that's you too. Well, Ron, we got to cut it, uh, cut it off. I know we could spend another three or four hours just hanging out and learning, uh, but I appreciate your willingness to come in and invest in us tonight. Uh, we've kind of talked off the air a little bit about how this is useful for, for me. And, and I enjoy learning from other people. And if anybody else has learned from you along the way too, then that's just icing on the cake for me. So Ron, thank you for your personal investment in me. Oh, Matt, you're it. so welcome. Thank you for the privilege. Very welcome. All right. Well, this has been Leader Worth Following with Ron Price. Have an excellent evening and we'll, we'll see you next week. Leader Worth Following, produced by Sean Kelly and Devin Neely. Special thanks to this week's guest. For more information, visit leaderworthfollowing.com.